Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Two Cups of Tea, the podcast where I get to hear the life story of an amazing character in their golden years. We've been away for a bit because life has a habit of getting in the way, but we're back with a very special show. Today's guest is a feature of my childhood, and I'm pretty sure most of yours too. A regular feature on TV show Vision On, Eureka, Jigsaw, and many other mad TV appearances. Today's guest is designer, inventor, artist, performer, and explosives aficionado, Wilf Lunn. I'm impossibly excited. I'm here in Yorkshire to speak to him about an extraordinary life well lived. Let's do this. Cheesy theme tune, please. Welcome to Two Cups of Tea, Wilf Lunn. How do you do? I'm very pleased to, to be talking to you on the show in what the, the best living room I have ever seen. It's almost like a hardware store. <laughs> No, in that great way. There's what there's a there's a hardware store in Home Firth. that has yeah. got these kind of walls and walls yeah. of of kind of little mahogany drawers, all yeah. different kinds yeah. of screws yeah. and stuff in. Yeah, and it's just in. I could spend hours in there, and it's and it's, it reminds me a little bit of that in here. It looks like you've got you know something from from every single chapter of your life in here. So where are we today? Where we are currently in Kirk Burton. And how long have you been here? I've been here about forty years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, which uh, the local people, uh, I uh, you know when I was uh, doing vision on and things like that, I uh, I used to open a lot of fates and things, mm. and of course, the uh, articles appear now in the local paper. Uh, going back all our yesterdays, mm. <laughs> and there was one about nineteen seventy six, I think it said, and it, I was opening a, a school fate. And it said, Wilflon, da, 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 da. And right at the end of the article, mm. the reporter put, put, and Wilf still lives in Uddersfield. <laughs> and it's like, silly sod, why didn't he move? <laughs> Where did you have your beginnings? Uh, across town in a place called Marsh. Um, and, and what year was that? When were you born? Forty-two. I, I was wasn't born there. I was born in Brighouse. Uh, you know, famous for the Brighouse and Rash Street Band. Yes, and I've also I've been to a, a Northern Soul All Nighter in Big Brighouse as well. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. A little quite recently, it's brilliant yeah. there. At one time, I was the projectionist in the local cinema, the Savoy. 
You were the projectionist. I was the projectionist. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. So, but obviously, we that that would have been skipping ahead a few years. So, so going right back to when you were first born. Yeah. Um. So, tell me about your your, your mum and dad. Um. My um father was deaf, and he couldn't actually speak. Uh, he could only make sounds, and uh, I don't think he could read or write either. My mother, and he went to Doncaster School for the Deaf. He was a boarder. Yeah. And my mother um, could uh, lip-read to a certain extent and had a bit of sign language, and she went to Otsell House uh, School for Deaf. For deaf so she was also deaf? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I often wonder how I learned to talk. I know they used to take the mickey out of me at school because I couldn't talk properly. I ended up actually teaching at the school she went to. Really? Yeah, teaching... Uh, Full enough lip reading on religious knowledge. So what what was that like? I never found it. Uh, I, I never found it odd. It, we, were, we, you know, or, or I never felt deprived or or anything. M- m- my mother was a, a considered to be a snob by the neighbourhood because she didn't speak to people. They didn't realise that she she couldn't really. And uh, she walked with a straight back, you know, very upright because mm. she had. Nine operations, you know. She went deaf when she was six. My father went deaf when he was four mm. from measles. And uh, I never—I was never deprived in any way. I mean, they, um, they put me through grammar school. They put me through college. You know, I never felt as though I would... Mm. <laughs> you know, in fact, I wasn't because any decisions that were made, I, I made myself. Yeah. And uh, I, of course, I never learned anything at home uh, because, the, the, I mean, my mother attempted once to teach me how to tell the time and I couldn't tell the time till I was 15. Yeah. <laughs> I was in grammar school. Couldn't tell the time. I didn't know the alphabet and I didn't know the months of the year. Yeah. Because I hadn't been taught them at school, so I didn't know them. And I managed to keep it secret. Till I was about sixteen. It's surprising how many people can live a life like that and, yeah. and just keep it. I you often know, wonder uh, about other like people who, who who drive lorries who can't read and yeah. you know. But the, the best one about my father was that uh, he um, he wanted me to go to the chemist, and it, and my mother must have written the note, and he handed me the note, and I looked at it, and shook my head, and I went, no, 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 no. And mouths spelt wrong, mm. and he nods his head, saying, "Yeah," because he mined. He was great at mining. He said, mm. "Yes." And so he went and fetched my mother, and my mother read it. I think she'd written it, and I said, "Spelt wrong," mm. and she went, "No, no, no, it's right, it's right." And I wouldn't have it, you know. And then eventually, I said to him, "Pills not spelt." P I L E S. And I never went. I never went to the chemist because I'd, I'd never heard of piles. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought they spelt it wrong. Well, you know, long way that continue. I wish <laughs> I hadn't. <laughs> That's fantastic. And he was great at miming. I mean, he used to mime the the boss at work telling him off. Yeah, you know, he'd do all this, you know, pointing and sh- you know, mouthing, shouting at him, 
and well, he would, and he would move from about being the boss, going right, you know, point, pointing and like, and mm. move over to him leaning on a brush. Yeah, yeah. Is that there's a buzzing? Yes, that... it's the uh, it's the um, alarm system. Ah, okay. That, that was a cat walking past. Ah, my good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, for the benefit of the tape, a cat just walked past. Yeah. There it is again. There uh, you go. You see. Yeah. Uh, um, so. What, what did your dad do for a living? He worked in a foundry, which was quite amazing because they used to, uh, 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 you know, uh, they used to write hot on things so he didn't touch them because obviously they couldn't shout to him. Yeah. Because um, it didn't matter how loud you, shout, you shouted, he, he, he couldn't hear. So he yeah. must have known what hot meant. And, you know, he, uh, he worked there all his life, you know, he... Uh, as I said, he, they, they put me through college and, you know, and I, I never felt deprived in in any way, you know. How did they meet? You know, I don't know. I don't, they must have met at some um, deaf, deaf function, you know. And, yeah. But the thing about my father was that um, on one occasion, uh, the woman next door was furious. What, 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 Mrs. Bassicle. Mrs. Bass. Mrs. Bass. Yeah. And she had a minor bird, right? Right. She had a minor bird. And she'd let me in once because it was raining and I was locked out and I was sitting there. And there was this minor bird behind me in a cage eating grapes and chucking them all over the place. And all of a sudden it went, Aggo! I thought I recognised that. And I said, uh, can it talk? She said, yeah, but it only imitates your father calling the dog in. <laughs> That, you know, it used to make these sounds, you know. <laughs> and I was told later that she'd actually got an elocution teacher to come in and teach the, teach the, the bird to speak. <laughs> Mrs Bass, yeah. Mrs yeah. Bass. Um, so what were you like uh, as a little lad? What did you like to do? Did you have, I you used... know, in terms of, like, your hobbies and stuff? Because well, you... I, I would like to know how... Well, your, I was your a great, life of invention. I was invention. a great enthusiast of, of Meccano. I, I, I can't stand Lego. Yeah. You know, um, the only... I was, I was in the um, in a, a sort of a, a cafe in town which was mainly for uh, born-again people and Christians. And, right. You know, and I used to go there because it was quite good. And they had a little corner where the children could play. Yeah. And there was Lego in there. And I was sat there one day and there's a little lad in there and he's playing. And, and he holds, he, he makes, he, he holds this Lego cross up. Yeah. That he'd made, he'd made a, cruci- a cross in Lego and held it up. And he's thinking, oh, that's very nice. Then he got hold of the end of it and went, Dada. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she thought that was his first ever Lego crucifix. Yeah. And he just made a shiv. Yeah, I used to take the Mickey, you know, I used to say, oh, that kid is so rich. They glue the Lego together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you do need a bit of money to do that. So you were a Meccano kid. I was a Meccano kid. My dad was a Meccano kid. Yeah, I, used yeah, to have, yeah. I used to have all his old stuff. All, yeah, yeah. Um, it's It's got... Yeah, and I had all the gears and things. And, and funnily enough, on, uh, on when I did Vision On, I actually made... The uh, a, a machine out of 
Junior Meccano, which was plastic, and it came with big gears, yeah. coloured gears, and it looked great. You could make things out of it, and it looked really great. I made a um, a machine that... Uh, it was the old banknote trick machine that you wound a plain piece of paper and it came out the side with a banknote. But I did it... Uh, you. Um, with a, a spotty dog taking the spots off, you know. Yeah. And I did a, a radio interview, and I, they said, what are you going to do next? I said, oh, I'm doing a machine that removes the spots from Dalmatians. <laughs> they had an emergency <laughs> meeting at the RSPCA to stop me doing it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny how, how, how some people are completely devoid of a sense of humour? That's right. <laughs> well, they, they did the same with the, um There was a lot of people... A lot of parrots being stolen. Was he valuable? And I'd done a... Well, there was a, a spate of, of parrots. Parrot there. stealing, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'd done this cycle, a model cycle, with a cage on it. Yeah. So that when you went out for a walk, you could take your parrot with you. And there was a complaint about that because it was a, a model cycle. So yeah. it was only about a foot high. And somebody complained that it was too small to put a parrot in. There's very little imagination, but you had enough imagination for ten people by the sounds of it when you were a kid. Well, I got into a lot of trouble, you know. I mean, I, my first brush with fame was when I was asked... I don't know what you can say on this programme. Anything you like. What had happened was I uh, I used to go to a Methodist uh, youth club. Yeah. And uh, they'd asked me to paint a mural in the theatre. How old were you at this point? Uh, I was actually 16. Right. Uh, going on 17. Yeah. And uh, I uh, I painted Adam and Eve and uh, in the Starkers. And uh, I didn't realise that the local Methodist sewing circle met in this room <laughs> and they complained. And I was furious because... It, I'd gone to a lot of trouble, nearly killed myself on the ladder because yeah. it was quite high. And so I put in my pair of white fronts on and they had a brown knickers and there was all hell loose. <laughs> <laughs> and it made the papers. And the um, he said, you know, artist has to clothe his nudes. And the joke was that it, it eventually, um, when, when it sort of died down, they asked me to do another one because yeah. it was filling the flipping church. Of course it? it was, you see. Although it wasn't in the church, it was in... And I think it's still there. Really? Yeah, I think so, yeah. That's like your Sistine Chapel, yeah. except with wire fronts. I, mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't recommend going to see it because it was absolute bloody rubbish. Uh, I, couldn't, well, that's like I, I couldn't do toes. <laughs> <laughs> can you? But you can do toes now. Well, yeah, but I don't do toes now. I, mean, I do three-dimensional stuff now. Um, yeah. I, I've got my wife, my, my, my deceased wife, is on the table there. I did her as a blancmange. You did, you, how do you explain? Well, it's her face. Yeah, as, but as, as, as a blancmange. Blanc yeah. um, but, you know, and I did all sorts of uh, uh, weird cookery things. Sure. So after your first brush with accidental fame... Mm. What was what you know? What happened then? Was it what time? When did you finish school? Were you were you? Did you finish quite early, or did you no, go on to college? No, I, I went on to art school. I, 
I was at art school till I was 20. Yeah. I started at 16, did four years. Which Not art school? Uddersfield. It's, yeah. it's, it, um, I did quite well. I, I was doing textile design. I had my stuff exhibited all over the country. Yeah. Um, but you see, it was just at the wrong time. It was like at 1962. Yeah. And that was when all this Swedish thing came in. You know, Cossack playing carpets. Yeah. Painted walls. Pattern went. There was no work. You know, patterned carpets, you know, they're all closed down now. They, they, they were going then because people didn't want pattern. Yeah. It's coming back. But uh, And that was your speciality? That, yeah, I was a textile designer. Yeah. And um, anyway, I, I had to, uh, I ended up teaching. Well, I, well, I was at Otzel House for a while. Mm. Uh, that's where I started making uh, bicycles out of firewood wire at dinner time with, with the lads. And uh, bicycles out of what? Firewood wire. Firewood wire. Well, in the in those days, you see, we weren't smokeless. Yeah. And when you bought firewood, it came in a bundle with a wire around it. Right. Gotcha. And uh, we used to make bubble cars and stuff like that. Yeah. Carried on doing that. I, I, I met James Mason, the Hollywood actor James Mason. Yes. yes I, I'm going to need to join these two dots together somehow. How well, on earth? Well, what happened was my wife was doing a a children's kindergarten yeah. in the local conservative club and they decided it wasn't a suitable place for children I think it wasn't a suitable place for people but anyway they, they, they sort of more or less kicked her out Yeah, and she uh, she would know where to do this you see because our house wasn't big enough to tell us out yeah. and she's on the road talking to a woman and the woman said well they used to hold the scouts meetings at um, James Mason's parents' house. Which yeah. was Croft House. I lived on Croft House Lane, and the, their family and him lived at Croft House, but it was never around, and because he lived in Switzerland next to his daughter Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, and uh, the woman's telling she said, "Well, why don't you go on and ask them?" She said, "Oh, well, I will do." She said, "Well, why don't you do it now? It's coming down the road." <laughs> And she did. And she went up to me and she said, uh, excuse me, Mr. Mason, I was just wondering if you got a room to rent. And he said, who are you? <laughs> she said, uh, Mrs. Lodge. He said, you're not the wife of Mr. Lodge, are you? She said, yeah. And it went from that, because I had a little shop where I used to sell bits and pieces. Yeah. And he came round and then uh, eventually he got me an agent. And when they made the documentary... Home James, I'm in it. Uh, you know, and just now he's on a revival. Yeah. And I got a phone call from California last week asking me if they could use um, some things from an article I wrote for the fan club. Yeah. Where I'd been with him in Leeds at a party. So you're at a party with James Mason at this point? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was at a guy called, I think it was called Mustafa Hamouri. He was like the the film cameraman for Yorkshire Television. Right. And uh, they, because uh, I was in I was in this documentary and uh, I was at this party and uh, I was stood with him and a guy came up and said to him, 
excuse me, Mr. Mason, he said, uh, you ran off with my girlfriend in 1952. And James said, no, I didn't. He said it was 1954. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, they, were ask, <laughs> they were asking me if they could use it in this, because he's had a more or less a revi revival. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, being a, a, a an ex-projection, I watch all the um, talking pictures because he comes up a lot. Yeah. You know, uh, but, you you know, like my nurse, I have a nurse now comes in, never heard of him. He's just... He's what, not out. even when he was Captain Nemo? No, no. Crime. No, they never heard of him. No. Well, that's a crime. That's was, a crime. She was asking me about, about him and... He used to wear a flat cap when he came to see me. Did he? Yeah, he did. It sounds and like it, two different James Masons. Oh, he was a one, incredibly fella, really. You know, he was he was quite shy. Really, he wouldn't come in the house of the car parked outside. Yeah. And anyway, uh, and he used to bring Clarissa, and he turned up once with Portland. Uh, Clarissa was the one he married. Yeah. She was a contortionist. Seriously. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh, and she was in Wubinder and, and Skippy, the bush kangaroo, which she didn't like you to mention. <laughs> no, there's always one thing in the CV that they don't like to mention, isn't it? And yeah. the Skippy. Anyway, uh, well, he was a conscientious object, you know. I didn't know that. No. And I think that held him back a lot, you know. Mm. In fact, when I first met him, I think after all these years, was more or less the first time he'd ever spoken to his family. His family wouldn't speak to him. God. Um, yeah. And Niven and people like that all kept trying to persuade him to wear the uniform like they did. Yeah. And just go around it. But he wouldn't even do that. Anyway, they're doing this... It sounds like he had a really big impact on you. Well, yeah, because he... Um, well, he got noise. me an agent, you know. So he got you an agent? Yeah. And who was that? Was that Blanche a... Marvin. Blanche Marvin. Yeah. That's a good agent's name. Yeah. Well, she reckoned that she was... That uh, Tennessee Williams. Yeah. I'm name-dropping. Tennessee oh, Williams. <laughs> Uh, called um, the woman in it wasn't what was it uh, streetcar named Desire yeah named the woman in that after her Blanche oh so my that's God. a great name and he called it yeah she was American of course yeah 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 and anyway so how did that work with an American agent representing you not very well <laughs> all right okay she had a flipping clue what I did yeah well she got me. Um, an interview with Patrick Dowling, which didn't go down well. Um, and he was the vision on producer? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Never got on with him. Oh, really? No. No, it didn't matter what you did, he always had to say something. And it, with my machines, he'd look at them, and if you couldn't think around, say, say they were on colour, which particularly brassed me off when I found out he was colour blind. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, he's dead now. So I, I did it. I did it for years. Mm. You know, and it won every bleeding award there is to win. Because Vision On was designed as a sh as a show, show for the deaf. For the deaf, yeah, yeah. it's just fluke, just a sheer fluke. I had nothing to do with. And that was that was a complete coincidence. Yeah, it was. wasn't because of your background. No, they once tried to get me to do sign language on the show, and I was a complete failure. Yeah, you know, I couldn't do it. You know, saying now here is the gallery. Pat Keeley used to do all that. Yeah. And uh, Sylvester, you know, um, McCoy. McCoy, yeah. He, he turned up at my wife's funeral and 
he had exactly the same walking stick as me. How and embarrassing. I said, it's like two women turning up with the same frock. <laughs> he said, oh, but where did you get yours from? I said, well, where did you get yours from? He said, I got it from the umbrella shop opposite the British Museum. I said, it's funny you should say that. I said, hello, I got mine. <laughs> and it's the worst lawn of the bloody lot. So was he, was Sylvester McCoy on Vision on with, with you at the time? No, yes. But I, I also, at one stage, did my escapology act at, with him. Yeah. and Which he managed to cock up. Um the essential thing about an escapology out yeah. is tension. You've got to build it up. Yeah. So if you've got a steel ball in your head full of explosive with a fuse fizzing, yeah. and you go behind a screen, you've got to do the countdown. Yeah. But the secret about the countdown is you don't start at one. <laughs> because nobody knows where you're going to finish. <laughs> You've got to start at ten and go down. Oh, so he started, he was easy to count up. Yeah. Oh. oh anyway, I, I, I set it off and I set, actually set fire to the pianist's stool. That, that went down well. What a terrible audience it was! It, I mean, a long time ago. And where where was the gig? Where were you playing? Uh, uh, Stratford Attie Bowl. Yeah. And they just won the cup. And. Uh, and we'd, they'd rehearsed all day, but they'd lose the cup and then they had to change everything. Of course, they were all drunk. And my wife was there. And uh, to show that it was all real, I used to have a stick of explosive, which I used to get a volunteer to pick and then light a fuse and chuck it into this supposedly bomb-proof box. Yeah. And it blew, and it blew it to pieces. And my wife was in the audience and she said... I was sitting there. Can I can I swear? Yes. She, she said the only thing she heard was someone went, he must be fucking mad. <laughs> <laughs> and complete silence. They were all jeering and shouting and yeah. And then you but then that shut them up. Yeah, I've done it a few times that. I had a good one in a in, in a in a working men's club. I'll have walk on as Oscar Wilde with a big, with a big green flower. Yeah. And they're all there, hey, look at this. They're like, you know, hey. And then I press the detonator, boom, and the dog go, ah! And chuck the beard all over each other. I never got asked back. <laughs> so, so, Wilf, I've got, we've talked about, Mural painting, we've talked about being a projectionist, we've talked about doing escapology acts and, you know, explosives, you know. You know, if someone said to you, what are you, what would you say you are? I'd say I'm a designer. You see, people sort of, they call me mad, they call me zany, they call me all this. And I say, you know, and I, I, did, I, I was standing for Diana Dawes. You say that again, you... <laughs> I was standing for Diana Dawes. You Dors. were standing for, for Diana, Diana Dawes. Well, I'll be honest, as soon as I walked in through the door, well, I thought, thought that, that he could be a standing for Diana Dawes, I thought. But because she had eating problems, you know. Yes. And um, it was a New Year's Eve thing in in, uh, in uh, Glasgow. Yeah. Uh, we, and I, I was actually on with Rattles, the pickpocket. You know? Yeah. And... Um, that was one of the things I, I, I said to him. I said, look, what I used to do was, I used to say to him, 
just introduce me and then just leave it. I said, I'll do all that. I'll do the job. You pop a question in. But whatever you do, yeah. don't ask me why I do this. You know, because people think that I actually am mad. Yeah. And the, I, I said, all these things I've done, I've done them because I was hired and paid to do them. Yeah. I never invented anything until Patrick Dowling asked me to do it. Yeah. That was the first, and it won an award. You know, I, I've never... I never set out to do it, and I ended up doing it for something like nine years. Um, and I've always said, you know, the trouble with me is that I've done things expecting to get something to happen from it, and something always does happen, Yeah. but it's never what I intended. I mean, I was the first bloke to put a bicycle in a bottle, right? Right. And, I, I, you know, and I used to try and sell them for 60 quid mm. and one a bo- bottle with the bicycle removed for 120 because it was twice as much work. <laughs> uh, so an empty bottle. Yeah. I never, <laughs> the people suspected I wasn't ever putting them in. I never sold one of them. But I sold... Uh, well, James, it's, it's time to level with me now. Did you put them in? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> James, James bought one. Yeah. And... Uh, Anyway, and I hated the damn things anyway. So, but the only offer I ever got for that, I got mm. a phone call, and this guy said, Are you the chap that puts bicycles in bottles? I said, Yeah. He said, Well, you're the very man I want. I thought, Great, success. And he said, uh, I said, what do, you, what do you want? He said, I, he said, I reckon that if you can put a bicycle in a bottle, yeah. you'll be able to show my workers how to make three-piece sweets cheaper than we're making them now. <laughs> That's the only offer I ever got. And did then you, I used did to, you take him up on it? Did I? <laughs> then then the, uh, I also do, used to do a Christmas tree every Christmas in a cr- Christmas card. And uh, the only offer I got for one of them was from Iceland. Can you only, the country? The, the only commission I ever got to make a cr- Christmas tree was for Iceland, yeah. Let's see it. I'm doing this uh, steampunk cycle book. and um, I would imagine you must have been one of the founding fathers of steampunk. That must have come, yeah, oh, been influenced by directly by you. Yes. Well, I don't think it was influenced by me, but they, they had uh, called me the uh, grandfather of steampunk. There you go. Um so I thought, well, I'll do a steampunk. In fact, I went, I went to to uh, open the steampunk festival a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, I'm sat there with one of my machines and a little girl dressed up in a long dress and all that. She came up, she came up to me mm. and she said, uh, and who have you come as? And I pointed at the punk cover of my autobiography, yeah. which is a picture of me. <laughs> And she said, oh, you don't look like him. (laughs) (laughs) I've never looked myself up Mm. on Google. There's some people across the the cafe across the road. Every time I say anything, they look it up. I mean, like the other day, I was talking about how how I'd uh, had a lot of letters about when I I did a programme on chickens because I can't stand chickens. Why? Well, because they're like the most horrible people in the world. 
I mean, I've I've actually got aim specs. Yeah. In fact, I've got a pair in the Optical Museum in London, which are red, to put on chicken because they're cannibalistic. You see, if they see any blood, they attack the chicken. Yeah, if it's bleeding. But with red specks on, they can't uh, see the blood. I've got two pair now, and uh, what well, pe- the, 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 you put on chickens? Yeah, you put on chickens. Yeah, people don't believe me, but I'm, I mean, I, bo- I know a bloke who said the other day he said he, he looked it up and he'd had a bet in the pub and he'd won money on it. <laughs> but the latest one was I was this. I'm talking about, I, I'd done a thing about chickens, and I, when they laid eggs, they it, they came out pointed in last to stop the bottom shutting with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It is. Anyway, I uh, I thought I'm going I'm going to look at this Google and yeah. see, you know, and. Uh, because I've been thinking of writing to the BBC to try and get a bit of film that I did many years ago. It was in black and white. Yeah. You know how old it was. Where I'd actually fired a cannon in Trafalgar Square. Can you imagine doing that? In the IRA. Well, I can imagine you doing it. Yeah, well, I did do it. <laughs> and, as, and they said as long as it was no louder than a, a car backfiring. Which, of course, it was. <laughs> And I, saw and I imagine you probably had an idea that it would be. Too bloody right. I mean, if I did it indoors, I used to make them open all the windows because it was like a, <laughs> you know, if 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 they didn't, the windows fell out. Yeah. I mean, I never actually had the windows fall out, but it was like one a stone grenade, you know. I, I, I so why, hang on, why did you fire a cannon in? Because there was a shortage of meat, right? Right. And... Uh, I was going to uh, to cycle to Warburton Abbey, yeah, to feed the lions on a substitute food, which uh, I got there. And what it was, it was a loaf of bread with a pallet's head. <laughs> and the, if you watch the thing, the, the Duke said, oh, "Oh, has the pallet got toothache or something?" Uh, because it had this oxo cube tied on its head. I said, "Oh no, that's just the flavour." <laughs> Anyway, so uh, hang on, so, but but what? And so, what was the cannon in Trafalgar Square for? It was just publicising this meat run. Ah, uh, okay. So it was like that was the start. Of yeah, the yeah, yeah. Bang! Yeah, now I'm off yeah. to on the bike. In actual fact, it was um, supposed to be my mass pigeon destroyer. I've always been very fond of those overkill punt guns, you know. Yes. Where they shoot, the ones shoot. that the one you're on a boat. Yeah, yeah. And yeah the I've boat seen goes those. Flying back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you shoot the entire entire flock, you know. I had an exploding duck, and God, it did explode. An exploding duck? Oh, yeah. Well, its head was supposed to just pop off. And it, I only found a parson's nose. It blew it to pieces. I'm amazed nobody was injured. I'm amazed. Has anyone ever been injured? Because as a lot of your stories oh, yeah. end with, have you? Uh, well, yes, and I also burnt the kneecaps out of Rolf Harris's trousers. But, but it, with him, he, uh, he wouldn't come anywhere near me. In fact, he used to say to me, and there's Wilf, and, and, and he'd not just leave the stage, he would leave leave the studio. Yeah. Because... Because <laughs> he was petrified of what might happen. Well, no, because Ian pressed the bloody detonator. I said to him, why did you press the detonator? He was stood next to me. And I didn't know he was there. Yeah. 
He said, well, what, what do you mean? I said, well, you were supposed to watch it. There's nobody anywhere near me yeah. before you press the detonator. He said, you don't think I look, do you? I said, well, what do you do? He said, I put one finger in me and, and listen for the cue. <laughs> I said, I don't give any cues. I just... <laughs> anyway, that's Blaster Bates. Uh, I did a show with him once. Do you remember him? I remember the name, but it was... Yeah. was so what was his act? Blaster Bates. Well, he was in. A, he used to blow things up. So he was like a showbiz Fred Dibner. Yeah, he was. Only he was more famous. He was before Fred Dibner. Yeah. But he didn't do what Fred Dibner did, which was light a fire in the bottom. He used to blow them up. Yeah. You've done so much of so many different things. Is there anything you you wish you'd done? I want to do my medical memories. Yeah. Uh, on things that people have forgotten about, you know, like Spanish fly. When I was a child, I was very, very ill with jaundice. Yeah. And they gave me a, a sort of a, a sherry of liquid to drink, and I had to drink it with a straw. Yeah. I could never find out what this stuff was. And eventually, I, um, I found a label, and it was called Parrish's Chemical Food. Mm. It was actually made with iron filings. And I thought, well, let's, I've got to do the, this thing about me having jaundice and this liquid I had to drink. Mm. And I found out I, I had to drink it through a straw because it turned your teeth black. I, went, I used to go around chemist shops asking them, and nobody knew what the hell they were talking about. Anyway, I eventually found a label in Australia. I brought it from Australia. I had to buy a whole load of them just to get this one label yeah. of Paddish's chemical food. And it's still sold. Really? Yes. Do you know what for? Go on. Racing pigeons. <laughs> Look at that. Parish's food, traditional substance, ferrous phosphate syrup yeah. to a century-old formula for use in racing pigeons. Yeah. It says, traditionally fed to racing pigeons at a rate of five millilitres per gallon of water. Yeah. Blimey. Yeah. That's... <laughs> This bottle lasts you to ten years, then. Yeah, well, that's what they were giving me. So it's stuff like that. You see, in Spanish Fly, you see, they sell it on the internet. But it's not Spanish Fly. It's a, it's all a, a con, you know. Yeah. Because that's all it is. It's an irritant. And they call, they're actually called the blister beetles, you know. Um so, uh, so I'm, I'm, I collect stuff like that. And, uh, so, uh, it, it, so it's like it's putting together a list of all the, the obsolete medicines for stuff that you know. Oh yeah, that thing there is um, a club foot spanner. <laughs> a club foot spanner. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a Tommy gun. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's a straightening your club foot. Oh my god. Yeah. And, and, and it looks like it's for removing a club foot. Yeah, well, anyway, and, and up there, you see that funnel up there? Yeah. Those two little figures. Those are Benin African enema funnels. An enema funnel. Enema funnel. And, <laughs> and you know um, the Reaper Barn? Yes. Where all the prostitutes are in, in Hamburg? I'm, I've heard of it. Yeah. Everybody's heard of it. <laughs> but just behind it, there's a... The, I forgot, what do they call him? I've forgotten his name now. But he's not there anyway. It was a granddaughter, wasn't it? And all the sailors used to come from... to Hamburg. And they used to sell stuff... Yeah. ..to this guy. Um, you know, 
African gods and stuff like that. And inside the door was the only yellow polar bear I've ever seen. And it was the nicotine from his fags that turned it yellow. <laughs> and uh, I used to go around and I used to ask for things that I knew they wouldn't have. Yeah. Just to get conversations going. And I went in and I said uh, to this his granddaughter. This is in Hamburg. Hamburg, yeah. Behind the, wet, the behind. Reaper Barn, just behind the Reaper Barn. Yeah. And uh, I, I said, have you got a, a Benin enema funnel? And she said, yes. <laughs> but it's at home. I said, well, I'll have it. And she said, she sent it to me. And there it is up there. Then I went back. My wife would never go in the place because it was like got you down these narrow corridors and piled up with stuff. Yeah. And I found those two, what we call sheer purgue, which means lost wax. Yes. Because they were famous for the bronze work, the Benin. Right. And this, but, is, and this is the African. Yeah, these are African figures in bronze. Yeah. Giving each other their enemies. I mean, they're just right saying, Steve, you can't Oh, that's wait. what they're doing? Yeah. I thought that one at the front was a wheelbarrow. No, it looks like, no, it's... Yeah, a, I, yeah. yes. It's a hell of a display. It's all going to be forgotten, you know. Um, so I thought... Uh, I'm, I'm, so are you going to put them all together in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a kind of photo book or a... Uh, but I've done all the writing. It's bloody huge, too. Yeah. Uh, I've got things like nipple shields and... Mudge inhalers. And this one here, I was telling a woman in France that those two soda siphons. Yes. They look like old seltzer bottles. Yeah, soda yeah. siphons, yeah. Yeah. They've got like a spike. Can you see it? Yeah, I can see the spike. Do you know what that's for? I dread to think. It was to stop prostitutes using them as douches. Oi! But it's little things like that yeah. that are getting forgotten. 
Well, you stopped the tunnel. You stopped the, the, the tunnel? Yeah. What, what, and how, how was that explained? What? Well, well, I've got this device that made uh, radioactive water that I bought in France. Yeah. And it set the alarms off in the tunnel. Oh, my and God. And they had to send a team from England <laughs> to unpack this lorry. And uh, I said, well, what did you do with this, this with it? They said, oh, we just put it in a larger box. I said, well, they you know, I mean... I didn't know he hadn't taken the uranium out of it, you know. <laughs> but all that stuff in there is radioactive. R radioactive. And I've got Geiger counters in there. And... Probably just as well. Just to, to take us back a little bit, we've, you've 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 done Vision On. You also did a show, which is the one I remember you most from, was both Eureka and Jigsaw yeah. were the two ones that I remember. What, yeah. what were you... What were your experiences on those like? What was your what was your role on those shows? That was the thing. I wish I kept some of the scripts because all I used to get was a script, Wolf Explosion, and that was it. And they used to stand round at the end of the day when I did my show, taking bets. I said, "Well, I'll end up in hospital." <laughs> I'll be honest, you know. Which I did twice. Yeah, I was. I wouldn't put money against it. Uh, you know, I think, I mean, I've heard the stories you told me today. Yeah. I wouldn't bet against it. But Cl Clive's retired now. Um, Clive Doig? Yeah, yeah. He, he came to the just funeral. Um, How long ago did your wife pass? About a, a year and a half ago. Oh, I'm sorry to Not so that. long ago. It was very sudden. She used to look after me and then she sat there. She said, I couldn't get up. I rang for an ambulance three days later. She was dead. So I've, I've got her on the table as a blancmange. I think that's... Would would she think that was a fitting tribute? Well, it was always there when she was alive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, a and she never didn't like the idea of being a blamange. No. And I tell you, the one thing I've seen, there's a lot of, and there seems to be something that's cropped up in almost everything you've done right from the beginning, from Meccano onwards. Bikes and bicycles and cycles. Yeah, that's right. That yeah. seems to crop up more than anything else. What's the fascination? Well, as I said, I used to do it in the, uh, in the school for the deaf. And yeah. uh, I did it as a result of an hobby. And then uh, I um, I got this agent, Blanche. And before I knew where I was, she got me an exhibition in London. And uh, I, I stood in there drunk. Yeah. And uh, uh, um, Joan Bakewell turned up. Really? Yeah. Wow. And she said, how would you like to be on telly? And I was that drunk. I said, yeah, sure, when? She said, no, there's a taxi waiting outside. Can you imagine? Never do that now, wouldn't it? <laughs> Not at all, no. And uh, I was on that night. With, what, talking with, about your exhibition of... With Sheridan Mall, yeah. Wow. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and... What year was that? Oh, God, I can't remember things like that. But the uh, the thing was, we're standing in the box waiting for the show to start. Yeah. And there were... Um, she said, uh, I'll be really interested to read your book. Uh, I said, I haven't written a book. <laughs> but they've got the wrong bloke. Had they got the wrong bloke? No, they hadn't. But they, they thought hadn't. you'd written a book? Yeah, they thought I'd written a book. It, it ended up in a punch-up, actually. A punch-up? Well, this, I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, this is your publisher, your best friend, and uh, this actress in the green room. And I went in. I'd never seen them in my life. They pretended they knew me to get in. 
Oh, really? And then um, the actress, who I still remember her name, yeah. and the film she was in, said, why don't you come and live in London with me? And that I, I wasn't very <laughs> nice about it. No, I can imagine. Because my well, wife she... was there. Yeah. And, uh, and she just used you to get into the green room, did she? Yeah. And these are all the two blokes uh, yeah. as well. Um, never met them in my life. I've never met them since. Anyway, she attacked me. Oh, my God. And uh, the security yards threw her out. If you had... I mean, you've done so many things. It's You, you look like a kind of a polymath, I suppose is the best way to describe it, an explosive polymath. But you've done so many things, and I know from my post, another cat going by, and I know from just my own experience, you've influenced and fired the imaginations of so many generations of kids. Is that a nice feeling? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I get, I get a lot of time, you know, people saying I'm doing what I'm doing because of you. Um yeah, it is a nice feeling, yeah. What do you say is the most important thing you've learned um, across your life? You learn something new every day if you're not careful. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I was going to put that on my tombstone. I've, I've already got my tombstones. Have you? But uh, I can't use them. But the, um, the big ones, if in heaven I am this, remember your God made me an atheist. <laughs> they won't let me put that on. And I've got one about smoking. Mr. Will Flunn, thank you very much for joining me on Two Cups of Tea. It's been my absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that was Wilf, 76 years old and still a force of nature. Good luck trying to pick the logic out of all of that because it was just a cavalcade of madness. As you'll have heard, this podcast is about sharing some fantastic life stories. But many older people don't have anyone to share their story with. There are 1.2 million chronically lonely people in the UK. If you'd like to know more, then visit campaigntoendloneliness.org and find out how together we can all end loneliness. Thanks to the amazing Wilf Lunn and thanks to Acast for hosting the show. See you next time. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.